So grab your favorite holiday beverage, cozy up by the fire, and join us for a sleigh full of joy, laughter, and a sprinkle of nostalgia. Tonight we take a look at some Christmas and New Year's traditions, no matter how enigmatic. Your ticket to the most wonderful time of the year, newsworthy. Two words and two question marks. scoured the podcast world and finally found us newsworthy with steve and jerry where we delve into all things mysterious macabre or out of this world and decide if they are truly newsworthy two words and two question marks why should you work with ed Locke? A better question is, why wouldn't you work with him? He is a proud to support an amazing lender, USA Mortgage. When you work with them, you can expect a home financing experience that is free of hassles and headaches. They have complete control over your loan due to in-house operations such as processing, underwriting, closing, and funding. USA Mortgage represents a lot of fantastic things but they are especially thrilled to partner in several community outreach programs, including Habitat for Humanity, Home Sweet Home, Veterans Community Project, and many, many more. They love going to work every day, which means they love working for you. Ed wants to be your lender for life, so reach out to him today and get the journey started. If you would like more information, please reach out to Edlock at area code 502-680-0953. NMLS 448-908, USA Mortgage NMLS 227-262. USA Mortgage is an equal housing lender. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions may apply. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hello, gentlemen. How are you today? Hello, hello, hello. Doing great. Doing good. Wow. I just can't get over how quiet it is. I, I don't know. We usually do this. We're, it's a little different time of the day that we're doing this today. Everybody's at work. Everybody must be at work. The Harley guys across the street are, 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 are not revving their motorcycles. The dogs are chill. And it's so quiet. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really, I'm going to use this word and it'll make people laugh, but... Bizarre. It's just too quiet. I thought to you were going to say enigmatic. <laughs> oh my gosh, no! If anyone has any favorite ex- word, any anybody has any experience with ChatGPT, then you understand why that word is so problematic for me. The bane of your existence. <laughs> it's like that's just what they want to use on everything. everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because you know we're we're a pretty modern program here. We use Chat GPT when we can. I mean, it makes life a little easier. And, yeah, why not? And why not? So, but yeah, every single freaking time, enigmatic. Or I can't even say it. <laughs> enigmatic. Thank you, thank you, Jerry. That's why you're here. 
Terry's always like, well, I read the one I'm here. Word so many times Just don't ask him to pronounce GPT. Catholicism. <laughs> yep. That one is a little bit tough. <laughs> we all have our words. What's your word, Brett, that you have such a hard time with? I said her over all of my words, so. <laughs> there you go. I'm an equal opportunity word abuser. There you go. Good. Hey, I just want to, real quick, uh, Donna, and I won't say her last name, won a free gift card uh, and Christmas card and we sent a little swag with you to that is on the way Donna I appreciate Congrats, you, you you doing that and reaching out um, I had two other people respond but they didn't send me their address I can't so, send you anything without an address <laughs> so they still will get it as long as they use it as an address absolutely address. we don't um, care whose it could be someone else's but <laughs> you can't, can't throw the mail with just a name it will not get there with just If you want to tell us you live at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, we'll believe you. We'll <laughs> ship it, but you got to give us an address. Yeah, and President Biden would be so appreciative of <laughs> I'm that. I'm sure he would. <laughs> yes, he would. Um, so congratulations Thank you for, for playing along. That was a fun little game. Did uh, you guys have a good Christmas? Uh, did have a good Christmas. Did good to eat. The weirdest thing was the only gift I got for Christmas was a deck of sticky playing cards. Really? Yeah. Sticky, I'm ha- huh? Yeah, I'm having a hard time dealing with it. Oh, <laughs> I bet so. <laughs> i tell you what, my Christmas was awesome. So I got a brand new Jeep this year. Really? I mean, I, I, I was blown away. I thought it, I had a good one. But... I mean, it's got a, it's got a button for everything. Oh, really? It even has this one that says rear wiper. Rear wiper. Rear wiper. I'm still afraid to try that one out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You guys and your Christmas dad jokes. Yeah. I don't think. Don't know what to say. I don't think if you hit that button, you should go to the back of your vehicle. I'm just saying, Brad. Oh, mercy. I will say I did eat too much. Overrated. It's not like it's the first time ever, but certainly I had too much to eat on Christmas. And yesterday, I just, there was I, still a bunch of leftovers and I just couldn't do it. Decided to go to McDonald's. Yeah. Wasn't that hungry. That was a mistake. <laughs> really? Well, probably. But uh, I ate a kid's meal when I was there. Still haven't figured out why the mom was so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> at least it wasn't. Leftovers. At least you'd have to pay for it. <laughs> that always helps. Oh, That's man. probably the only way I'd eat McDonald's is if it was free. I don't think I could even then. Like, and, and truth is, we play that big game, you know, Twilight Imperium 4. And part of my routine is every whenever we play that is I will go get uh, a breakfast sandwich from McDonald's, bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Beyond that, there is nothing on their menu that even remotely sounds good to me. There is one thing that I absolutely love, but unfortunately, it's a limited item. If you say don't rib, I'm telling you what. I've never had to make I know. I mean, when you look at it and when you break it apart, you have no idea what animal, if it even was an animal that it comes from. (laughs) You have no idea where this stuff comes from. All I know is. That stuff tastes amazing. It's the one thing I will go to McDonald's for. But yeah, it's rarely there. Truly, it truly loves going to McDonald's. And the last couple of times we went, like she's got like a couple of double cheeseburgers. 
the cheese was like halfway hanging off the sandwich. It's like you can't even put the cheese on right. And then we went to we went to Chick Fil A just opened up in Danville. The people were just super friend. I mean, it just opened up, so these people were newly trained, super friendly people. Food was great. The service was super quick, even though they had a line you know, that was wrapped around the whole building. You go to McDonald's, and those people are super rude. I mean, it, this is just in our area, but you know, super no, rude. You never much applies. You never get you never get good food there. It's always like halfway thrown together and. I'll say this, it, it applies to every Chick-fil-A I've ever been to in any state, anywhere. What you your description, great service, great people, and, and very good food. And it applies to about half the McDonald's I've been to in my life. Yeah. Another good place that you mentioned earlier today, if you want hamburgers, cookout, I love their food. I love cookout. And absolutely fantastic prices. Yeah. So, no, yeah, phenomenal prices. Great alternative to McDonald's. Like I don't cream. know how the McDonald's and the Burger either. Kings of the world totally stay agree. open. I just, totally agree. I just don't. Well, it's not even cheap anymore. It used to be exactly. you, know, you go for the dollar menu. It's super affordable. But, I mean, the dollar menu has turned into like the $3 menu, and it's really a $10 menu once you get a drink and fries along with that. That and what did McDonald's always used to do when we were growing up? If you get the kids in, the parents have to eat here, too. And they'd have they the big playhouses. I saw a meme somewhere that said McDonald's has become a 40-year-old depressed person. (laughs) Because you go in, it's dark, it's drab, there's no kids. Ronald is gone, nowhere to be seen. And you barely have any any interaction anymore. Everything's kiosk here. In little Lawrenceburg, everything's a kiosk. It it just, I'm not. When I was, when my daughter was little, we were there a lot. Because yeah. she loved the playground, and she would beg and beg, and I would take her there. Yeah. That, that worked. But, uh, yeah, they've gotten rid of all the playgrounds, and I kind of understand it. Yeah, Some you of almost have to stories now. you heard, that the, the things Needles they found in their ball Yeah, pits, they're gross. I get it. But, uh, yeah, what, what is their claim to fame now? Why are people going there? Yeah, it's certainly it's not, not the food, it's not the service, it's not the price. What's left? Right. It's, it's, I think, the fact that people are just conditioned to go there. Nostalgia. I guess. I mean, it certainly isn't the food. Even the fries aren't that good anymore, I don't think. Oh, and that was the soggy. soggy and, yeah. yeah. I, if, and even if you get them at their peak, they're like number three when it comes to chain french fries now anyway. Jerry's french fries are a sore point for Jerry. He hates french fries. Is, it, is, there, no. any, is there any chain that you like french fries? Here's what I absolutely hate is when you go to a decent restaurant and the one he's referring to in particular, I specifically ask, yeah. are your fries homemade? Yes. And as soon as we took the first bite, it's like, no, you lied. This is frozen out of a bag. You, you can tell. I'm, I'm you just, can I, absolutely tell. I'm with you on this one because yeah. I, I'm a big French fry guy. Penn Station, hands down, best way to go. But here's my Zach's point. Has phenomenal fries. Yes, a few do. Here's my point. If you're a McDonald's and you're a Burger King, I don't expect anything but. If you're going to be at a, what would the average price be at the place we were at? I don't oh, want to slam was, them, but. It was $15, $20 bucks. a plate. Yeah. And you can't home make French fries. You got to sell me some frozen crap. No. Well, and usually when you go to a restaurant like that, like it's always frozen fries. They don't, they, they don't. But really why try take on the that fries. shortcut? Yeah. I love fries that aren't peeled. With the skin. No, I did too. Wendy's. Take a machine and put it, oh, and pull a lever. Yeah. And you got fries, drop Penn them Station. in some oil. Yeah. No, Penn Station does have good fries. Yeah. yeah. It's not hard to do. I just don't get why so many take this shortcut for that. Because it's cheap. So we've decided that unless you're going to uh, 
borrow a kid's meal at McDonald's is probably not the place to go, right? <laughs> right. All of that because of McDonald's. Your <laughs> stupid dad joke. <laughs> hey, I also cover that. I also, you know, for the whole first half of our show, we aired on Podbean was our publisher. Right. Um, one of our old school listeners, um, they have listening levels at Podbean. And you can still that. listen to our show at Podbean. Um, I just want to shout out to Double because they have attained scholar level Very nice. <laughs> listening to our show on on Podbean. So kudos to you. Um, I hope that you're still with us at Master, which is not 130 hours. I, I can't imagine if you if you are. Wonderful. If you... Whether she ever makes it to master, according to them, she's master, according to us. Yes, absolutely. So congratulations for that, too. Now, this week's a little different. Little this bit. week, we're going to talk about some old stuff that happened last week, uh, new stuff that is going to happen next week, and what the meaning of it all is, uh, and kind of wrap it up for the year, I guess. Uh so I'm pretty excited. What are we talking about tonight, Brett? Yeah, so I'll be I'll be talking about Santa Claus. So uh, something is near and dear to my heart. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so or should I say, <laughs> if you have any kids that are under 11 that are going to listen to this podcast, probably should wait until they're not in the room. Just right. want to make that disclaimer yeah. first. We'll yeah. give them a few seconds. You've been get warned. Them out of the room. You've been warned. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so spoiler alert. Yeah. Press pause. Listen later. All right. You've been warned. And then Jerry's going to cover... Christmas presents, the tradition, where it come from. The actual presents, not the being of Christmas, right? Correct. Cool. And I'm going to cover tonight, we're going to do some of the traditions involving New Year's, which is something that is near and dear to my heart. So Santa Claus, uh, for a lot of you folks... Um, every year, I, I help Santa um, by standing in for him and, and on on several occasions, and I truly enjoy it. So I'm I'm very interested to see what you say here tonight, Brett. Um, in fact, why don't you go ahead and get us started? Because I'm gonna. Yeah. So, so as everybody knows, that's an adult age at this point. Uh, Santa Claus originated from. A guy named Nicholas, who eventually became Saint Nicholas. Um, so he was a guy who lived from the year 270 to the year 343. He was an early Christian bishop in modern-day Turkey during the Roman Empire. Um, the earliest, the earliest attested and most famous incident of his life is when he was said to have rescued three girls from being forced into prostitution by dropping a sack of gold coins to the window of their house each night for three nights. So their father could pay a dowry for each of them. So that's kind of where that's that's where the legend of Santa Claus started was Saint Nicholas dropping those gold coins through a window to try and uh, help their father pay for a dowry for each of these girls. What do you guys think? Have you guys ever heard of that? <laughs> I've never I've heard. Not, of you've that. never heard, heard that story? That no. Santa's like an anti pimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a way, yeah. So this, I mean, this, this is again, this was in the the early 300s when this when this happened. So 
So long, maybe you should explain ago. to folks what a dowry is. Yeah, so a dowry, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since we used those, but <laughs> basically the father of the of the girl would have to pay the eligible husband a certain amount of money, animals, whatever, for that person to marry his daughter. So um so yeah, that's what if you didn't know, that's what a dowry is. The the father in law had to pay now, of course we got the father in law threatening the dude saying, Hey, if you mess with my daughter, I'm gonna <laughs> get my gun clean and <laughs> But but yeah, so that's how they used to do it back in the day. So again, he saved these these three girls from prostitution, which is awesome. I mean, it's a great origin story for Santa Claus, I think. But very different. Call Zack Snyder. Very different. <laughs> yeah, very different than the uh, than the story we know as uh, as Santa. So other stories tell of Saint Nicholas uh, calming a storm at sea. Uh, apparently, he had saved three innocent soldiers from wrongful execution at one point. And another story claimed that he chopped down a tree that was possessed by a demon. So, again, he has a bunch of stories that are uh, attached to his name. He was also in prison during the persecution of the Diocletian, uh, which the persecution of Diocletian, which was the last of the persecutions of Christians during the Roman Empire, which is where they targeted clergy, demanded a universe, universal sacrifice uh, to pagan gods. The prisons were actually so full of bishops, priests, and deacons at that point that there was no room for the actual criminals, so such as murderers, thieves, and robbers. So they were so full of Catholic clergy that they didn't even have room for, for uh, the actual criminals. He was released after a session of uh, Constantine, who was the first uh, Roman emperor to convert to Christianity. And he also attended the First Council of Nicaea in 325, which was the first ecumenical council to try and attain a general consensus in the church. Uh, and it actually resulted in the first uniform Christian doctrine, which is called the Nicene Creed, which I'm Catholic, so we still use that Nicene Creed very regularly today. Um, and a lot of other um, Christian denominations, they have uh, kind of adapted their doctrine um, from that, but it all started in 325 with that, with that Nicene Creed. Um, his feast day, or St. Nicholas Day, as it, it's sometimes uh, called, is celebrated on December 6th, which was the day of his death. Um, he has also been called Nicholas the Wonder Worker due to the many miracles that are attributed to his intercession after he's since passed. So, again, pretty dynamic dude. Not anything like the Santa Claus we know. So, kind of getting into Santa Claus. So, First off, have you, have you guys heard about, I'm sure you've heard that St. Nicholas was the origin of Santa. Do you guys know anything about him before? Saint Nick. Well, you know, the only one of us here that was even alive during that time frame was yeah. Jerry, so. <laughs> and I must admit that even with my advanced age, <laughs> and probably due to that, my knowledge has, uh, what little I did know was since long gone. <laughs> Well, these days, Jerry's just going to have like a big stick over there and just swat me with it. Just right across the table, just pow. I can't wait for us to get some video so we can see just how young Jerry looks. Right. They're right. Be like, what, what are they giving this guy a hard time for? He doesn't look a day over 25. Right. I know. And and, and it'll be it'll be a, a hard lesson for us, Brett. We'll lose that opportunity. Age is something that's never bothered me. 
Ever. Really? Me either. I, I just, for a long time, I thought it would, especially after I found out that my dad, and, and I got this from my mom, apparently when my dad turned 40, he went through a slight depression, uh, felt that he was older, whatever. And I always thought that, you know, there's going to be some day when that happens to me, and I'm 58 years old and happy and for every one of those, and age has never bothered me. It's, you know, I've often said age, getting old sucks, but it's a pretty nice alternative. No, right. yeah. So, yeah, I'll take getting old. Yeah, absolutely. I would 100% agree with that, especially in light of the last few months. <laughs> Amen to that. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to get off. No, yeah. no I, you know, the fact that St. Nicholas was throwing gold coins down a, a window is all news. Not today. even a chimney. Not even a chimney. <laughs> Just, hey, here's some money. So, anyways, so now we can kind of start getting into how Santa Claus came to be. So, as I said, he's also known as St. Nicholas. A couple other names for him as Father Christmas and Chris Kringle. So, all of that has been developing over, you know, the last 1,800 years where different legends and, you know, people are telling these stories. And, you know, as we've learned from the telephone game as a kid, these stories change when they're orally told, you know, from person to person. So they've continually uh, changed throughout this, this time. Um, so the legend of Santa Claus basically, you know, as I said, it, it originated in the Western Christian culture. Um, you know, Santa Claus, as we know him today, is said to bring gifts on the night of Christmas Eve with the help of his flying reindeer and elves who make the toys in the North Pole. So that's, that's you know, growing up as a kid, that's that was Santa to me. Um, so there was, there's three figures that he is kind of, that have kind of combined to create this figure. So St. Nicholas was the first and original figure. Two other figures branched off from St. Nicholas. So in the English culture, uh, Father Christmas was a figure that uh, influenced the Santa we know today. And then in the German culture, uh, Bell's Nickel. And then the Dutch figure was Sinterklaas, which is how we, that, that eventually led to the name of Santa Claus. So these figures were merged to create the character we know today. Santa Claus was anglicized into Santa Claus, which was first used in the U.S. press in 1773, which was before the U.S. was even a country. So a long, long time ago. Um, but he had lost his bishop's apparel at that point. Uh, up until that point, he was clothed as a bishop, just as uh, St. Nicholas was. And was pictured as a thick-bellied Dutch sailor with a pipe and green winter, <laughs> green winter coat. Uh, and that was in Washington Irving's book, History of New York, which was published in 1809. So you can already see at this point that he's already starting to, to get some changes. Um, Irving's interpretation of Santa Claus was part of a broader movement to tone down the increasingly wild Christmas celebrations of the era. This is something I did not know. So some of these celebra- Christmas celebrations included... Aggressive home invasions, um, substantial premarital sex, leading to shotgun weddings in areas where the Puritans uh, were there, uh, and public displays of sexual deviancy. Uh, the celebrations of the era were uh, were by, were made by both upper class and Christian purists. So wow, 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 wow. apparently, Christmas was a wild time back in the <laughs> early eighteen hundreds. <laughs> Sounds like wasn't that the same time, Jerry, that we were talking about uh, not too many weeks ago that the Puritans uh, during the Salem witch trials would line up all the women and and 
if their if their breasts were too cold, <laughs> they were witches. No well, one. There these was people. a lot of talk at the time that a lot of women were accused simply because the men wanted to grope them. Yeah, a bunch of perverted old white guys that wanted to grope their. Which, which, because, like like we said, which is weird that all of the. People who are accusing them are young girls. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. It turns uh, out that. What about Thelma? Do you think Thelma is? No, no. Thelma no, ain't no witch. No, no. <laughs> but again, don't forget what Brett just said. That old theory kind of goes out the window when the vast majority of the people doing the accusing were young girls themselves. Right. Crazy. Bunch of perverted lesbians. <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't have said that. I just. Who knows where it come from? <laughs> Anyways, uh, so, by the time 1821 rolled around, uh, there was a book that came out. It was called A New Year's Present to the Little Ones from 5 to 12. It was published in New York and contained a poem describing Santa Claus on a reindeer sleigh bringing rewards to children. And basically, you know, I have the picture right here. It's just uh, a guy in a big brown hat with a sleigh and a reindeer where he's he's whipping it. This one reindeer. He's so, got a red... <laughs> That was, that, was an <laughs> that was in 1821. My goodness. So Whip it. Uh, whip it good. Whip it. <laughs> so these these ideas became more popular after that whip. The, the publication of a poem which was which was called A Visit from St. Nicholas. We now know it as the night before Christmas. That was released uh, December 23rd, 1823. 1845, Chris Kringle was already a common variant of Santa, and a magazine article from 1853 described American Christmas custom to British readers, and it referred to children hanging up stockings for a personage whose name varied at that time in America. In Pennsylvania, they said that he was called Chris Kennel, but in New York, it was St. Nicholas or Santa Claus. The story Finally, of we're finally at Santa Claus. Yeah. So the story of Santa living in the North Pole, uh, which I always wondered, you know, how does how do we get from St. Nicholas to Santa living in the North Pole? Most likely started from a Thomas Nast cartoon image that captioned Santa Clausville NP. And so after that point, there's there's multiple stories and poems that were written about Santa Claus, you know, living in the North Pole. <clears throat> Mrs. Claus. This was another thing that I thought was interesting because of course. Uh, St. Nicholas was celibate. <laughs> so Mrs. Claus came into the picture uh, in the mid-19th century and was popularized uh, in 1889 by the poet Catherine Lee Bates in the poem Goody Santa, Goody, Goody Santa Claus on a Sleigh Ride. So that was the first time Mrs. Claus was really popularized, and then again, it just kind of grew from there. So Here's kind of what I thought the majority of this talk was going to be, and it's a very short bit because it's actually not as important as I thought. <laughs> in the 1930s, a depiction of Santa was used for a Coca-Cola advertisement where Santa is dressed in red and white because those were the colors of the Coca-Cola brand. So despite the belief that Santa Claus was invented by Coca-Cola, which is what I always believed, like I, I'd always heard that, oh, well, you know, Santa became a big thing when the Coca-Cola advertisement came out. Well, in fact, they were not even the first soft drink company to use Santa in its advertisement. A company called White Rock Beverages had used a Santa figure in a monochrome advertisement for mineral water in 1915. So, did you guys did you guys ever hear that? Oh, Santa got popular after Coca Cola. Really? I never heard. Never. That. Never. 
Wow. I I've ever heard that. That is, I, I, that's what I've always heard. It's like, oh, wow. when Santa was popularized in like the, I, I knew it was like the 20s or 30s and it was some advertisement. So when I, when I read this, I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, 1937, Charles W. Howard, who had played Santa Claus in the department stores and parades, established the Charles W. Howard Santa School, which is still the oldest continuously run Santa school in the world. So they train people to act like, dress up and act like Santa and send them to department stores and out into the world to, you know, have kids sit in their laps and, it's such a tough job these days. I, some formal I training, imagine. some formal training probably wouldn't be bad to be honest. But yeah, I know it's, it's like I've never heard of anybody going to a Santa school. But I, I'm not going to a Santa school. <laughs> I've got enough schooling on my on my picture, but uh, on my plate. But I can see why that would be important today. I mean, let's just face facts. I don't. It's kind of awkward. A little weird. We teach kids. Every day in school, and we teach our children, you stay away from strangers. You don't go sit and, and then one one day a year, it's okay. Let's You're going to go see this stranger and sit in his lap for a picture. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, is, it is kind of weird. It's a little strange so, in today's world. I, I, have a, I have a quick story. So a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't on the podcast because we had a Christmas get-together. with. Uh, it wasn't I wasn't actually getting my back hairs braided, unfortunately, but... I, that, that's that's coming next week. But anyways, um, we, so we had my my uncle or my wife's uncle dress up as Santa Claus, and you know he, you know gave handed out presents to you know my daughters and you know all my nieces and nephews, and so my most daughter's four, and I was like, there's no way she's not gonna know, because he did. I mean, it's not like he has a big beard or anything. He wasn't. He didn't put on a fake beard. He just had. He has a white beard, but it's very short. And I was like, he just put on some glasses, the hat, and the clothes. And I was like, no way. She, she's just going to find out. I tell you what. She was so excited that Santa was there. It, I mean, I was like, she was like just staring at him. I was like, she's going to know. She's going to know. And she was like, Daddy, Santa's here. It's like, <laughs> man, they, I, I just couldn't believe it. Here's the, here's the best part as someone who portrays Jolly O. Saint Nick is when you know the child by name and they come in and you're like hello stanley you know i'm glad you're here and they're like their eyes get like saucers does that scare them no it it Good. can it cements them for right them. oh yeah it's really him he knows who i am you know it, that is the coolest part about it oh i i can't and, yeah. and leia so leia actually saw santa uh, like a month before, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, like in end of November, and of course the Santa looked different, which is another reason why I was like, oh, she's gonna figure it out. But, but you know, he was like, hey, what's what's her name? And we, and we told him, and, you know, he, he went, and it, it was exact same reaction as you're describing. Yeah. It's just like she's like, daddy, he knows my name. I was like, right. of course it's Santa. <laughs> right, it's but crazy. It's just awesome. But anyways, uh, you know, so since then, you know, since the 1930s and 40s. You know, Santa's been in TV shows, movies. You know, he's really grown into, you know, he's more of a face, in my opinion, he's more of a face of Christmas that we know today than Jesus really is. Sad but true. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he. It, it all started with St. Nicholas and kind of evolved. And like, like I just said earlier, this, this reminds me of the game Telephone. It's like, 
we have this one story <laughs> and it just slowly evolves over time. And, you know, it, and it really was like, you know, there's, there's stories written about him. There was songs written about him. There was, you know, advertisements about him that all kind of built into this one character that we know. And, uh, yeah, so it's, I, I learned a lot that I didn't think I was going to learn. Um, uh, like I said, I thought, I thought that the saying that we know today was originated by Coca-Cola. So. Wow. Well, that's very interesting. Good to know. One thing I will mention, you, you talked about your daughters. My daughter has uh, two young boys. One is just a little over one, so he's a bit too young to understand any of it. Jensen, on the other hand, is two and a half, and he's uh, he understands. And there is no better threat, if I can say that, that we have found that works anywhere near the fact of <laughs> Santa's watching. Yeah. You talk about changing a kid's behavior instantly. Now, kids have a short attention span. It's not going to last long, but it will instantly change their behavior. Oh, yeah. Santa, I'd be good. I've been very good. <laughs> Furthermore, the audacity to tell the lies to Santa that this kid is done. I mean, after some of the worst <laughs> things I've ever seen him do, and you mention Santa's watching, and suddenly he's telling Santa how good he's been all year. <laughs> yeah. But there is nothing that will make a kid stop what they're doing and begin to, at least for a short period of time, listen and do what they're told, and Santa's watching. Yeah, crazy. They don't want coal. I got coal this year. One of, one of the people I work with gave me a whole canister full of coal. Who knows you that well? <laughs> Rude. Rude. <laughs> Rude. I thought that'd be from your family, not from your coworkers. Oh, man, that hurts. Hurts. So joking. Jerry, so yes. we, we know about Santa now, and Santa brings what? Santa brings, hopefully, not coal. <laughs> hopefully, he brings presents. And that's what I'm going to talk about is the traditions of Christmas presents and where that comes from. Um, I've said before, my father was a Baptist minister. I was raised believing that Christmas presents were just a direct result of the three wise men coming to visit Jesus and the gifts, the presents that they brought. I'm sorry, and, I'm sorry go ahead. Oh, I, I just I saw you, you always make fun of me and my memes, but... I saw one the other day directly invert, involving that. It was it showed two of the wise men, frankincense and gold, and then it had uh, what was that guy's name? Billy the the guy who the ShamWow guy. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, and it it showed him on the end, and he's like, "But wait, there's myrrh." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sorry. That was. That's awesome. What I was raised to believe. And I'd always kind of grew up thinking that, okay, this has just been a tradition ever since then. Presents are given at Christmas because the wise man brought presents. We, in Christ fact, was born. tell my kids that. <laughs> like, that's oh, what wow. we told them this year. So, it was like, you know, so you're getting presents because Jesus got presents. Well, I don't think it's incorrect to say that that's where the tradition began. Yeah. The truth is, there was a several hundred years, and by that I mean probably uh, 15, 16, 17, 1800 year time period when that was not the case. 
As really? a matter of fact, for many, many years, it was considered pagan and was not allowed by most religious groups. Strongly forbidden, criminalized. In the beginning of the United States, it was criminalized. We'll get to that a little bit later. Let's start back at the beginning. Um, we're going to talk about Christmas trees as well as presents. Let me start with Christmas trees. With Christmas trees, Germany is credited with starting those. In the 16th century, sources record devout Christians bringing decorated trees into their home. And it was pretty well widespread among German Lutherans by the 18th century, but it was not until about a century later when it began widespread and went around the world. Now, if you want to go back even further, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, the use of evergreen trees, wreaths, and garlands to symbolize eternal life was a custom that goes back thousands of years to ancient Egyptians, Chinese, and Hebrews. But it was, the, the trees were not brought indoors. A branch could be brought indoors, a wreath. But the as far as the fact of the evergreen symbolizing eternal life, that's been around for a long time. But it didn't translate into the trees being brought inside. That didn't happen for several years later. Uh, by the way, it's also widely believed that Martin Luther, the 16th century Protestant reformer, was the first one to add lighted candles to a tree. According to a common version of the story, he was walking home one winter evening and he was looking up at the stars in the sky through some evergreen trees. And he decided to recapture that scene for his family when he erected a tree in the main room and wired on some candles to the branches. Just don't tell your insurance oh, that yeah. you're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Please don't do that anymore. Your we'll church would not, they would frown upon that. We'll a little bit of safety a little bit later on. Now, most 19th century Americans found Christmas trees to be an oddity. As far as as late as the 1840s, Christmas trees were seen as pagan symbols and absolutely not accepted by most Americans. New England's first Puritan leaders viewed Christmas trees and celebrations themselves as unholy. The second governor of the Plymouth Colony, William Bradford, wrote that he had tried hard to stamp out pagan mockery of the observance. By 1659, the General Court of Massachusetts enacted a law making any observance of December the 25th a penal offense. People were fined for hanging decorations. So if you hung decorations to celebrate Christmas, you were fined. By 1846, the popular royals, Queen Victoria and her German Prince Albert, were sketched in the Illustrated London News, and they were standing with their children around a Christmas tree. And the tree was decorated with toys, with small gifts, candles, popcorn strings, and they were all hanging from the branches by ribbons and by paper chains. Now, like the previous royal family, Victoria was very popular with her subjects. And what was done at the court immediately became fashionable, not only in Europe, but also in America as well. And that was when most believed that the Christmas tree had really finally arrived. By the early 18... I'm sorry, did you start to say something? I was just going to say, I'm surprised that we didn't do it the opposite like we do everything else according to England. You know, we drive <laughs> on the right side because they drive on the left. Our horses race clockwise because there's race counterclockwise. What would have been the opposite of that? I had outdoors or something instead of indoors. I, I don't know. We're not using a tree. We're going to use a, a bush, the Christmas yeah, bush. A shrubbery. 
A shrubbery. But what you described <laughs> has never applied to fashion. That's true. Uh, from the very beginning, fashion, we got it mainly from Britain and also from uh, France. By the 1890s, Christmas ornaments were arriving from Germany, and Christmas tree popularity was on a huge rise in the United States. One thing of note is, as it's true with so many other things, Europeans at the time, and even to some degree still today, have much smaller trees. They average around four feet in height, where Americans like their trees to extend from floor to ceiling. So the height of the American trees basically depending upon the size of your rooms and how big of a tree you can fit in there. That's Typical so true. American. It is. <laughs> From look at the size of houses to the size of cars, all of it. It's it's still true today in most things. Uh, most famous Christmas tree in the world. What would you guys say it is? Uh, New York. Which New York, one? Uh, Which one? There's one in particular. Is it Central Park or Manhattan? I don't know. Rockefeller Center. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's uh, the 80 foot Norway spruce's planet is placed in mid November. It's lit up in a public ceremony, which is why it's so popular. It's on TV every year when they light it. Um, and a public ceremony on the Wednesday following Thanksgiving. The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree dates back to the Depression era. The first one was put up in 1931, and it was a small, unadorned tree that was put up in the center of the construction area by some construction workers. It was unadorned. They didn't put anything on it. Two years later, they come back, and another tree was placed there. This time it had lights, nothing else, and that was the beginning of the Rockefeller Center tree. These days, the Rockefeller, the giant Rockefeller Center tree is lit with over 50,000 Christmas lights and a Savorsky crystal star. Again, we mentioned that it's normally an 80-foot tree, that tallest one ever was a 100-foot tree that was displayed in 1999. Uh, well, so the, so the, the tallest one was in 1999? The tallest one ever there at Rockefeller Center was a... For that year, they didn't have the normal, typical 80-foot. They had a 100-foot Wow, They're just playing tree. trees. They're killing all these trees every year. <laughs> yeah. By this time, they would have already grown to... Yeah. <laughs> you could have saved them hundreds of thousands of... I, probably millions of dollars at that point. I know, <laughs> right? You wouldn't even have to undecorate; just unplug it for the year. <laughs> You're cutting down this, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old tree, <laughs> right? Sorry, that's one of the things. You know, I am pretty. I like natural stuff. I like natural cotton, natural linen. I like natural food for the most part. So you like natural Christmas trees? I, I, I Christmas trees, however, is one thing that I absolutely. Christmas trees and gas grills. I argue with people all the time about that. There's no need to not have a fake Christmas tree. How easy is that? Like, at the end of the year, when I'm done with this, I'm going to take it as is upstairs and put it in the attic. I don't have to unwrap it. I don't have to un... I just take it and put it up there. And I haven't killed... 100 Christmas, 100 evergreen trees in my lifetime to for for this habit. Also, I don't like charcoal. I, I, I love the flavor, but gas grills are so much more convenient. It's so much they are. Yeah. Anyway, but the, you know, I don't think the food tastes as good. I'm no, I, absolutely. Yeah. I'll you're take right. charcoal anytime. Now, am I willing to do it? No. Right. The only time that I use a charcoal grill is when I go to a like a public park, campground, or no something. Right. Alternative, and I'll certainly use it there. And at the end of the meal, I'm usually thinking that was 
pretty freaking good. Well, yeah. I want to do this more often. So and I then like you to realize tell you, how how freaking much work it is. It's so and, labor intensive, so yeah. time consuming. You know, you, just you turn are, a knob, right? <laughs> and five minutes later, it's four hundred degrees, right? Yeah. And but, you don't have to worry about trying to balance the temp and. But light some more briquettes. I, I, I just feel the same way about Christmas trees. We There's it, another huge reason that you that? haven't mentioned for the artificial. So much safer. Oh, yeah. Um, I read actually that real trees are three times more likely to be involved in the Christmas tree fire. Really? Now, again, wow. you can, to a huge degree, get rid of that if you do one simple thing, which keep is... Keep it in water. Keep it water. Yeah. Keep it water. You have to keep it water. So many people don't. And over the years, real Christmas trees have been the source of a ton of fires. Speaking of which, even to today, approximately 25% of Christmas tree fires are not the result of real versus artificial. It's the result of either electrical problems or heat sources being placed too close. Huh. So please do watch, you know, before you put your lights up, check them, test them, make sure that you, at least to the best of your ability, Try to figure out that make sure that there's not a electrical shortage in it. If you've got heaters, electrical heaters, that type of thing, keep it some distance away. You got freaking cats, dogs. Make sure that uh, they're not going to knock the tree five feet over into right. the heat source. Back to Christmas presents. I, I did most of my preparation on the Christmas trees, but as far as presents are concerned, there is little evidence that from the time of Christ until. 70, 80 years ago, that giving Christmas presents was a thing. Wow. Period. It's, it, with, it doesn't matter, religious, pagan, it just was not a thing. Uh, and everything that I've read is that this wasn't brought about when we started rebringing up Christmas presents. This wasn't due to church. This was due to the commercialization and stores trying to sell merchandise. Oh, yeah. They, uh, they've done a fantastic job have. of that. I, I just remember your all's episode last was it last year where you guys talked about Christmas and like the amount of money yes, the yes. Americans spend. On it. It's I, I I thought about this this Christmas just like you know as my kids were opening all these presents like half of these they're not ever going to play with and it's like they're just going to end up sitting in the corner for the next couple of years until we like I'm like man. Because even Jerry had it right, man. We just we just waste so much money on. I don't. Anyways, I don't want to. Another thing that bothers me even more than no, we what like you hearing said, that we're right. <laughs> if you're rich and you can afford it, more power to you. Yeah. But when you look up the numbers of how much debt is incurred at Christmas time for Christmas, yeah, that is absolutely sad. Yeah. Now, especially you know we've alluded to the fact of you know we all three wish that we could get back to a. Um, to where Christmas was more directly related to his origins, Christ, the birth of Christ. But we've gone so far from that, and especially when you start looking at the financial hardships that so many families encounter at Christmas time, and take in many cases years to pay off. It, it's truly I sad. So, so make sure you. I refuse to do that anymore. It's not smart. I, you know, I have a budget. When I hit that budget, I'm done. Sorry. And this year, because of the sickness. That budget was a lot smaller, but you know what? We didn't have any less of a Christmas. Absolutely. Right. You know, we had less gifts. We didn't have less of a Christmas. Yep, because that's not what it's about. Right. So. Never was about the, even at the birth of Christ, it, you know, it wasn't about the gold and the frankincense. And according to, what was his name? Uh, oh, gosh, what was his name? It wasn't about name? the myrrh either. He's the one that passed away. 
Yeah, uh, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name. But uh, the Shamwell guy. Yeah, it was never about the presence. So good thing to keep in mind. Interesting. Sure. Well, I, I covered. I'm going to cover some things this year, and one of the things that I'm going to cover first of all, New Year's resolutions and New Year's starts and, and all of this starts all the way back like you guys this has its its actual historical roots some 4000 years ago all the way back to the ancient babylonians um that they would use the new lunar cycle and as a you said that was like bretna yeah. <laughs> we go back that far okay no, no, no like, like your topics went oh, back okay. that far not y'all just not bread especially maybe you <laughs> I, I, you know, but um, they would have, and their their time of the year was not in January. It was sometime mid-March when crops were planted. They was all done on a crop cycle. Um, they'd have a big 12-day religious religious festival known as a, a Kitu. I'm probably butchering that, and I apologize in advance. But they would that would be the time if they were having a new king, that the new king would be crowned, um, that they used that time to for uh, propagation <laughs> because that helped not only with crops, that gave new groups of people to help with those crops and grow. And it was a, it was a very big point for them. Um, and again, that started way back four thousand years ago. Um, pretty neat stuff. Uh, do you guys do New Year's resolutions? I used to. I, I guess now it's it's almost like if I'm doing it as a New Year's resolution, I've already come up with it beforehand, and I'm just like, oh, I'll, I'll just wait until New Year's to start that up. And it's like, well, why don't I just go ahead and start that now? <laughs> well, here's I'm I, I'm a very optimistic person, and I, I'm a very planned person. So for the most part, sometimes I'm pretty. It's weird. My brain works weird ways, but I am a big New Year's resolution person. Some of the biggest changes in my life have happened because of New Year's resolutions. Didn't necessarily happen at New Year's, but it gave me the opportunity to set the goal for the year. Yeah. You and quit smoking, some, didn't you? I quit smoking because of a New Year's Talk resolution. Up. It took me till like August, but we got it done in that year. Um, uh, when I had a divorce, once upon a time, dum dum dum. I decided I'm going to get rid of all the drama in my life. It took a year to do that. You don't just some things can't just happen. Yeah, day of. But it it is a great opportunity that I use, and that's what this week. This is like my one of my most important planning weeks. I got as you can ask Jerry, and you'll see a video coming up soon, hopefully. I have notebooks everywhere that I write lists in, and those lists, and I go through and I scratch them out, and I break new lists. This is when I'm writing all those lists for the year. Um, I will say, I, I will say, I I do make lists, and I I, I guess I, you know I said I don't do new. I, I use like the season of Lent as like my New Year's. Sure, it's like that's when I'm gonna like you know try and you know push myself and hopefully develop new habits. But well, I think you've been very successful. You're not on social media at all. Yeah. that's that's a big deal in today's world. Yeah. A lot of people can't say that. Yeah. I mean. But I just always use this week, and, and I, first of all, I believe firmly that every day you wake up, that God gives you another day, can be a day that you can change and be better. 
Maybe it's just a little change. Okay, yesterday I had an entire box of Twinkies. Today, only half a box, you know. Yesterday, I drank a 12-pack of beer. Today, I'm only drinking nine. You know, whatever the case is, you know, and as you can tell where my brain is already focused, you know, I had, and the only reason I bring this up is because we're going to cover New Year's uh, resolutions as part of this, but um, I have a lot of times, and I was over lunch today, I was telling you guys how my brain works a little bit about how it, it clicks on these certain things. My number one resolution this year is because of a saying that I heard that I can't get out of my head. And I can't sit here and tell you who I can attribute this quote to, but it's a famous person. I almost want to say it's Matthew McConaughey. I wouldn't swear to that, but it's weird and it's brilliant. And given the last few months of this year and how this has transpired, the quote is this, and I'm going to try not to butcher it. It basically, the quote is, if you don't eat your food as medicine, you will eat your medicine as food. Okay. And basically it's, it's a way of another way of just saying you have to eat better. Doesn't mean you can't have a hot dog. Just means you can't have twelve hot dogs in a week. It, it is as as I've been through this battle the last few months. The number of medications that I have to take on a daily basis has ticked up, and I'm at like at a level that I don't want to be at at the end of this year. And I. We were talking about the kinds of foods that our government allows us to have here and the amounts of food. You can go to McDonald's and buy half a drum of, you know, orange cola for a dollar twenty. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so that's gonna be that's my big resolution this year. I want to change we all say, Oh, I'm gonna lose twenty pounds or I'm not gonna do that. I just want to eat healthier, whatever that looks like, you know, and that means less processed stuff, more whole foods. Does it mean I'm not going to have uh, a turkey sandwich? No, I love bread. Bread's probably my Achilles heel. Pizza, we talked about. My kid doesn't mean it it can't be a healthier version of pizza. You know what I'm saying? So that's my big, uh, that's my big New Year's resolution. I just want to be healthier next year at this time than I am right now. So, anyway. By the way, that quote originally came from Hippocrates, goes back a little further than that. Oh, Hippocrates. <laughs> I'm glad you looked that up. McConaughey may have said it, though. <laughs> Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food, was the original quote. That makes good sense. And I don't, I heard it a little different, and I it think is. it. It's changed to what you, exactly yeah. what you said. But it, it the the meaning doesn't change, yeah. you know. I, and, and I, 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 I I harken back because my brain sticks on things. It, you, Jerry knows this. It drives him nuts, especially when it comes to food. But my brain will catch on to something, and it just will not let it go. And I had a great aunt, God love her. I miss her every day. But when she passed away, she was on 14 different medicines, four times a day. She had a, a pill to speed up her heart and a pill to slow it back down. And then she had, you know, mood controls and 
I don't want to be that person. Yeah, I don't want to be a slave to a pill bottle. Yeah. Once you get on one medication, then you have to have another medication to counteract the side side effects of that other medication. Then you got it's just never ending, and it's and and it's the more you take, the more dangerous it becomes. Yeah. You know, I had my thyroid removed because of the cancer. I will always, for the rest of my life, be on a thyroid. There's no way around it because if you don't. Right. Uh, your pituitary gland creates this stuff that makes you become a cancer factory. Um, so I will always be on that one. But there's no reason that I, there's nothing that I can't, every other medicine I'm on, I can control the fact that I'm on it just by controlling what goes in my mouth. Food and exercise will fix the majority of our problems. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and if you come down to those two, the truth is you can never outwork your diet. Never. Yeah. Never and, outwork oh your my diet. Gosh. If, so, if you look at like how many burpees you need to do to burn 100 calories, I just want you somebody to watch that video and then do some burpees and see how hard that is. Yeah. You can never outwork your you diet. You can, ne- I mean, ever. So, you know, I'm just, that's my mindset going into this. And, and I, I make it a big deal here because it's a big deal in my mind. And I apologize to the listeners, but um, that's how I psych myself up. It's a big deal for everybody. I mean, because it really is. And I, I go, so I go to the gym very frequently, pretty much every day. And I'm dreading January because (laughs) you get the big wave. And and it's it's awesome that people are going to the gym, but I know that come February, they're not going to be there anymore. Right. Right. (laughs) But it's just like that huge wave of people that and I've, I've been a part of that wave it's not like i'm shunning those people because i've been that in that situation where i'm like oh this you know i'm gonna start now then a month later i'm not doing it anymore and you know i've, I've gotten to a point where i'm frequent now which is awesome but i would like to be getting to the gym by march yeah honestly yeah you know i think it starts at, in my kitchen it does it, and, and it's, it's and, a lifestyle change people don't understand that like it's not like you, you. It's not a quick fix either. You're not just going to be like, not. oh, and a, you know, I'm going to give up Twinkies for this month, and I'm going to lose 100 pounds. Well, it's not going to work like that. You know, you have to be consistent. You have to say, I'm not going to eat Twinkies for the rest of this for the rest of my life. You know, I'm, I'm right. like, I'm cutting all this extra sugar, all this extra soft drinks. I'm not going to get the 64 ounce Listen, soft drink at the gas station. You know, I want and Jerry and I covered this before we switched formats. We covered the dangers of sugar. Oh, sugar. I remember that. Yeah. And I, I I would want everybody who's listening now to go back and listen to that episode. Um, sugar, even natural sugar, is a drug. And it's a drug that companies have used against you with impunity. <laughs> they want you addicted to sugar because it's cheap for them. The side effects are catastrophic for you. And they want you hooked on this sugar. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Keeps you buying their... Whatever. Absolutely. And, and for and, somebody who's so used to sugar, like soft drinks and, you know, candy and Twinkies and all that, it's hard for them to go from... You can't just go from that to, I'm just going to eat chicken and broccoli for every right. meal. You can't do that. It's not sustainable. No. There's this dude, Jeff Cavalier. He's like a, you know, workout guy on YouTube. But he he's like, just make a healthier choice. Like, instead of, you know, your sugary cereal... You don't have to go to bland oatmeal. You could do like the the peaches and cream oatmeal with ha- which has sugar. Yeah, it tastes it tastes better than regular oatmeal, but it's healthier than the sugary cereal. Way healthier. you know you just make those small healthier choices, and over time you're going to be able to eat that oatmeal. Right, you know, that's going to be right. kind of like what he was saying earlier. 
Had a 12-pack yesterday. Today, my limit's nine. Tomorrow, six. Yeah. I, I remember you saying uh, that you'd like, you know, you'd get those sugar cravings late at night. You'd just get a glass of milk. Like, I, I kind of like, when, as soon as I heard that, I was like, because oh, I would always get sugar cravings at night. And you actually taught me something, Jerry. Because, like, now oh, I'll get. Oh, now if, he's never going to leave. He's going to get the if big I get, head. Seriously, ever since I heard that episode, this is what I do. So, every, every time I, I get sugar cravings at night, every night. I always get a spoonful full of peanut butter and a half glass of milk, and that's and it. It, it, get, yep. it gets wow. rid of it. So, anyways. So anyway, I, I just bring that up to say if you are a a a a resolution person like me, that started four thousand years ago with the Babylonians. Congratulations, you're in good company. <laughs> Every generation for four thousand years have done that. What are some of the other things that we do? On New Year's Eve, how about smooching your sweetie? Everybody likes to smooch their sweetie. Jerry has a head size cutout of me <laughs> up there that, um, at his house that uh, I'm sure has his lip prints all <laughs> over. Oh, but of course. But puckering up at the stroke of midnight is a tradition with a more ancient roots. Many cultures considered the transition from the warm to the cold seasons to be an intensely vulnerable time, and even when evil spirits could run amok. So, we kissed our sweetie to help sane those spirits away, to show that we were two against whatever we could, we were together against whatever came our way. So, it was thought to bring good luck, and... You want to be closest to the people that support you throughout the year, which is, again, why, Jerry, you have a cutout of me in your house. But of course. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, right. Maybe we should do some more cutouts and send those out. <laughs> well, those are the address worth too much. We have to sell in. those. <laughs> um, what about, what else do we do? We pop champagne, bubbly. Um, popping champagne at uh, the stroke of midnight is pretty much a mainstay in New York, whether it's a swanky party or an at-home celebration. Overindulgence and excess are the hallmarks of most New Year celebrations around the week because you're getting it out of your system. <laughs> um, basically, despite its French name, champagne is actually... Um, was was created all the way back in England in the 1500s. And of you might guess the whole the only purpose of that was somebody wanted to sell more champagne. So advertising campaigns and that's what that was. It was has its roots in a Christian ritual of consuming wine during the Eucharist as the blood of Christ. That quickly gave way to the bubbly because it was more fun. Um, really? Yeah. Which I don't... That's interesting. The only way I like champagne is mixed with orange juice. I love a good mimosa. I'm, but, I'm the same way. I'm not a big champagne guy. I'm not a huge champagne guy, but you give me a mimosa, I'm good for about, you know, 20 of those. <laughs> I totally agree with you guys, but I will say this. I've never had good champagne. I've had cheap stuff, so that's a good very point. well could be that I've just not had. It's it. all shit. You've had some good yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah, they. I've not. Uh, I had some on the last cruise. It was the uh, Dom Perignon. Yeah, it was. It was just as crappy as the cheap <laughs> stuff you could buy at Walmart. <laughs> I was impressed. <laughs> the brute. 
<laughs> it wasn't wasn't a whole about dimes worth of difference between the two, if you ask me. There's gonna be some champagne aficionado like emailing in saying, oh, I'm sure. you're, well, you're listen, dead wrong. And when we first started, we first launched into cold sweet reds, man. It wasn't two weeks then the New York Times were following suit saying this is probably the way to drink it, to be honest. Yep. So, I Even, remember that story. Yep. Even they were listening. So you're probably right. We'll probably get if you're a champagne aficionado, please tell us why we're wrong. Is all champagne pretty well sucks unless it's <laughs> mixed with orange juice. So the song, and I'm gonna butcher this, Auld Lang Sing. That's the song that everybody sings for New Year's. That's actually a Scottish po a Scottish poem. Uh, it was uh, recorded on paper officially in 1788 by Robert Burns, um, and now everyone sings it. I, I don't even like the song. There's not a lot about the New Year's Times resolution or the New York New York Times and that whole. I, I don't. I don't. I want to go. Have you ever wanted to go? Absolutely not. Really? Have you seen the amount of people there? I just want to go one time. Zero desire. I, just to I get enough see. of it. I, the TV is good enough for me. I like seeing the ball yes. drop. That's cool. I I don't. I, I well, actually, it, it might be influenced. I know somebody who's been, and they said it was miserable. I so. bet it's miserable. First of all, it's usually the worst weather. You know, it's yeah. New York City. So if it's if you want a decent spot, cold. you're out. You're out there for oh, hours, and oh, hours, yeah. and hours and hours and hours. Well, I don't. Yeah, I just I just think it'd be a neat bucket list item to go do. Speaking of going to do things, don't let me forget, we got some pretty cool announcements later. Um, but I just, I think that would be such a cool thing just to experience one time. Now, it will never happen for me. We are always in Nashville or just outside of Nashville for New Year's Eve. That's just the way our family does Much things. better place to be. <laughs> um, and Nashville is like the secondary mecca in the United States now. I mean, they got the big guitar, music note. Is it a guitar or music note? I don't remember because I'm usually well past caring at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not my fault. It's not my fault. I, not. No, no. Uh, my wonderful mother and father-in-law um, make it a point that I don't have a choice whether I'm going to have a good time or not. We all but, remember the wine story. Yes. It was all her fault. <laughs> Uh, dropping the ball. <laughs> Don't let me drop the ball here. Dropping the ball at the stroke of midnight from Times Square. That's a big deal. Cities all over the world have picked this up. Um, again, just like Nashville, they, they join in one hour after the ball drops in England or in New York. Sorry. Um, the first time this ever happened was in Portsmouth, England. Uh, made the first ball drop in 1829. In 1845, Washington, D.C. had one installed as well. By 1904, the big ball was present when revelers began partying in Times Square. But the first version of the ball, <laughs> a wooden and iron orb, was adorned with 125-watt light bulbs. That's it. <laughs> Can you imagine how small that looked? <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, the new, they were attempting to find an alternative to fireworks because fireworks were banned at the time uh, oh, by the police. Yeah. So that's why they, uh, 
uh, got the chief electrician to conceive a sparky alternative, and the ball was born. Since the first ball dropped, there have actually been seven balls at the Times Square Alliance. The current ball weighs six tons, is 12 feet in diameter, and gets its bling from 2,688 crystal triangles and 32,256 LED lights. <laughs> so we went from 20 or 125 light watt light bulbs to 32,200 LEDs. As America always says, bigger is better. <laughs> bigger is better. Balls aren't the only thing that drop on New Year's Eve. Port Clinton, Ohio residents watch a 600-pound walleye replica uh, fall. Boise, Idaho, famous for its potatoes, potatoes, <laughs> potatoes <laughs> drops the glow tato. <laughs> and, of course, the musical uh, Emperor Stand, I think, is what falls in Nashville. I think that's what it is. Um, so we talked about resolutions. We talked about... Uh, uh, the balls, uh, fireworks are another thing. Do we ever just need some, a reason to make things go boom? As a pet owner, the answer is yes. Stop lighting off fireworks for everything. <laughs> one time a year for maybe one weekend a year, 4th of July, light them up. But then after that, stop. <laughs> I just noticed that we had fireworks at the Walmart. I was like, what is the fireworks for? And yeah, it never dawned on me until just now. Like, ah. It was for New Year's. <laughs> so we got some pretty weird superstitions too, and we got to wrap this up. I I pushed us way longer than I wanted to. So um, there's some things that you're supposed to eat, and some things you're not supposed to eat. Uh, chickens are one of the things we're not supposed to eat. Do you know why? No, no idea. Because chickens scratch the earth backwards, meaning they go backwards. If you eat them on New Year's Eve, you're sending your life backwards instead of forward. Bizarre. Um, let's see. Uh, fish and pork always move forward. So that's why you're supposed to eat fish or pork. Um Buzzards go forward. I'm not eating that. <laughs> what? Buzzards go forward. But I'm not eating that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, you're supposed to, if you grow wine grapes, you're supposed to reserve some of those for the next year. Kind of like a wedding cake. I don't know. That sounds like a weird thing to do, but whatever. Uh, there's, I was going to say, basically, um, and, and just to cut short, most of the traditions, whether it's hopping off on one foot or eating leftover grapes or eating pork instead of chicken, it's all about trying to make yourself more money aware for the next year. That's what most of it comes down to. As you spend a blooming fortune on alcohol and all the things to party with, that makes great sense to me. But um, anywho... That some of the did we miss your favorite? Uh, I guess the question is, did we leave out your favorite tradition? Some people eat black eyed peas, which are actual like I don't know, gross or cabbage, corned beef. My wife, 
Yeah, my wife's family does black eyed peas and cabbage every New Year's. Uh, see, I won't eat cabbage on a regular day. I'm not going <laughs> to eat it on unless it's coleslaw. That's the only way I'm eating cabbage. Mm-mm. You cook it, it's nasty. And my my wife's family also does the black eyed peas, and everybody and, and I try to have one just to appease everybody, but just nasty. I actually like them. They're not that bad. I, I like them. No, they're terrible. But I mean, I don't. I've never been into the tradition of eating certain foods on New Year's Eve. So Me either. I, I will probably still eat chicken. Yeah, I, mean, I, eat, I eat chicken pretty much every day. It's like one of those things that if you tell me I can't have something, that's when I want that something, yeah, yeah, right? Right. If you were to tell me, if you said I could have pizza every day the rest of my life, I probably wouldn't eat pizza nearly as much. It's weird. But if you tell me I can't, I'm going to have it for breakfast. I'm going to have it for midday snack. (laughs) (laughs) Way my mind works. Way my mind works. So, back to some... If if we've left out your favorite wonderful tradition, Jerry, where can they email us and tell us where we left out? Newsworthy with StephenJerry at gmail.com. So, as far as Santa and presents and New Year, is this something that we think is newsworthy? I'll start with you, Brent. I feel like it, like especially with Santa and presents, and really, I feel like it gets a lot of news. I'm not sure. I think that the New Year's resolutions, I, I, I think that, like you said, there's a good reason behind it. So I think that it's good to pass on those things. It, I think, I think presents and Santa have their place as well. I'm not saying. I kind of have like a, I think that we have enough news as like if just stay the way it is. If that makes sense. I, Cause I think we get a lot of it already. All right, Jerry. I wish and hope that we could get it. That we could see the day when it's more centered on what it should be. Which right. Is Christ. <laughs> and from that hope, I would say more. Absolutely. See, took the words right out of my mouth. Um, every, so, and maybe it's just age. Maybe as I get older and I watch my children and my grandchildren grow, I want them to be more centered. I want them to be more knowledgeable about where it comes from. Last was it last week you were asking about how we felt, you know, about Santa. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, me and, and passing on the tradition. And, 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 talked about and, that. Yeah. And and. As a young child, there's nothing more magical. I've seen it. Oh, yeah. I've seen these kids. Like, not this last year it was set up. This year it was set up a little different. different. Last year I could watch the kids get out of the car and how excited they were to run up and see Santa. (laughs) Excuse me. Sorry. I could see them get out of the car and run in to get in line to see Santa and how excited they were and how awesome that was. But as we age, we definitely want that to, to switch. Yep. You know, we want that move. And, and I think that that's a parent's responsibility. I think that that's a, you know, a, a response, a good parent will make that switch. And you by far, I'm not worried about it at all. Um, but I, I definitely think that if we can continue to help make that switch a little bit, then I'll definitely get two thumbs up. Absolutely. More news. Newsworthy. Hey. <laughs> I agree. So, newsworthy, by the way, um, 
this year, uh, and I think Jerry's excited and Brett's excited. Um, we have plans. Uh, nothing's in stone yet, but we have plans that we're going to be live and on location in at least two festivals this year, and maybe more. That that's a possibility as they come available. Uh, we'll be letting those dates and times. So if you like the show and you want to be a part of that live and you just want to come up and see how old Jerry really is, <laughs> you can do that. Yep. Um, we'll be announcing those as we get confirmation. We don't want to announce it and then not be able to go, but uh, there'll be a lot of heads up because we want to advertise the places we're going to be, but uh, pretty exciting stuff. Also, there's another kind of exciting thing we're going to start trying to work on next week. Maybe in the next few weeks it'll happen. We're going to keep that one close to the best until it happens. But, uh, um, yeah. What do you think, Jerry? Final thoughts? I love it all. Final thought was this. You said you're not a big fan of the uh, Black Eyed Peas one, maybe. Yeah. You ever heard of Poppin' John? Nope. Now, that's a very, very traditional New Year's dish. Made with black-eyed peas, rice, some meat. I want to give you a, a good recipe for that. Do me a favor. Uh, just try it. And you, you're you usually very good at trying, so okay. hop and jump. I'll even include a link. Okay. Sounds good. Hop and jump. Hop, hop and jump. Woohoo. Man, that episode is really interesting. And if you'll stick around for us for just a few commercials, we have another great story to tell you. Hi, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. When it comes to buying a home, the process can be overwhelming and confusing. With so many options, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why it's important to work with a certified mortgage loan originator. I have the knowledge and expertise to guide you through the process and find the best mortgage option for you. I will work with you every step of the way to ensure that you are getting the best deal possible. So if you're looking to purchase or refinance, please reach out to me at 502-680-0953. So don't take on the stress of buying a home alone. Work with me and I will make your dream a reality. Trust the professionals and make your home buying experience a positive one. MLS ID 448-908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, MLS ID 227-262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is equal housing opportunity. If you want us to review or rate your product on air, if you have suggestions for new episodes, Awesome ghost stories or anything else, please reach out to us. Our email address is newsworthy with Stephen Jerry at gmail.com. Our text number is area code 540-709-1318. And now back to the story. The historic Stanley Hotel has sold for $475 million. And yes, the ghosts were included in the deal. The historic Stanley Hotel, which is located in Estes Park, Colorado, is being sold to a nonprofit that will be tasked to build 58 new apartments as well as a new film center and whose mission will be to operate the hotel as a cultural resource. The $475 million deal is something of a buyout for the hotel's present caretaker, John Cullen, who owns Grand Heritage Hotel Group, which includes the historic hotel. 
The hotel was thrust in the national spotlight back in the 1980 horror film The Shining, which was based on a Stephen King novel of the same name. King came up with the plot for the novel while staying at the hotel in 1974. The Stanley Film Center that will be built at the hotel will not only be a place to watch and celebrate film, particularly those in the horror genre, but a creative space for making films, art, and literature, and material that will be made available to the Grand Heritage Hotel Group's website. The Stanley Film Center will cater to a wide audience, including thousands of genre fans, industry leaders, aspiring artists, and students from around the globe. The Stanley Film Center will also cater to a broad demographic, offering family-friendly activities and exhibits throughout the afternoon and late-night blood and gore for older folks and mature audiences that run late into the night. So, once again, the old Stanley Hotel has sold for $475 million. And Jerry, if you can't see the light, be the light. <laughs>